differently and creates some opportunity where he can speak back with us and we can start hearing him laying his impressions on our heart of what he desires for our life and the life around us so that that we can start closing that gap between what God wants, what's real, and, and let him start filling in that gap through us, right? And our prayers enter, enter into that space where it's missing, where what we're experiencing isn't what we see him declaring. Our prayers enter into that space. And as we're interceding, we can start seeing that gap close where heaven starts filling in to this gap and starts changing our reality and making it more look like God's will for our lives, right? It's active. It's, it's intentional. It's me pushing in and, and claiming what has been bought on the cross, already paid for, but hasn't been fully realized yet to see that being realized in my heart. That's what we've been seeing this prayer life that we're heading into, that we're trying to teach, is about. Um, Luke 11, Jesus' disciples asked him to teach his disciples to pray. And so often in our world, we're told to pray, but not taught how to pray. And so we're making a, making a point in this series to really teach how to pray. Teach how to pray according to the Word of God. Teach how to pray with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the Word. And so as we continue to develop this kind of prayer life, our relationship with, with God will grow radically more close, more intimately affirmed by Him. But we will also be more effective in our, in our, in our work with Him, our co-laboring with Him. And that's our heart's desire to see every one of us empowered by God's Spirit to do the work that He has uh, called us to do here. So... In our first message, we spoke about this mindset of powerful prayer, that God actually invites us to, to ask things. God invites us to ask for things. He wants us to ask specific, for specific things. He wants us to ask for big things. And so often we're, we're so timid and we're so, we feel so limited in what we can really ask. Does he even want to give this to us? Well, what we've seen is the more we understand his will and what he wants for us, the easier it is to ask with boldness, the easier it is to ask with audacity to, for him to do things because we know that it is his will. He's already declared that. Now I'm just coming in agreement with his will and I'm asking that. In our second message, we talked about the Our Father prayer and how Jesus gave the Our Father prayer to his um, to his disciples so that they would learn. They've been so intimately walking with him, right? Like personally walking with him, experiencing him. And, 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 and Jesus says to him, look, I'm about, he knows I'm about to go away. He needs to help them to connect with God the Father in a different way from what they were trained and taught in their Jewish culture. That's why he gives them this prayer. He gives them this prayer, and it's specifically designed to connect you with a personal conversation, an intimate connection with God. It's not something that's just supposed to be recited, but no connection is made. No actual addressing takes place. The Our Father is an intimate address. It's, it's talking to somebody. It's not just saying a prayer. I hate it when people say, let's say a prayer. What is that even? Let's pray. Because prayer is talking and connecting with God. We don't say prayers. We pray to God. 
We connect with God. We talk to God. And we're expecting Him to lay impressions on our heart back, to talk back with us, to help us to understand Him and remind us of His scriptures, right? Right? And so that's what the heart of this is, is that the, our Father was more so than something we need to memorize and recite, rather a pattern that we need to learn to follow in our prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. It's a faith statement. I can't see you, but I believe in you. It's a personal statement. I identify with you as your son. It's also a community statement. I'm saying that you're also his child. He's our father. You're my sister. I'm your brother. You're my brother. I'm identifying myself with you in this prayer. It's intimate. It's personal. Worthy is your name, right? Not Howard. Um, Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. When I was young, I thought hallowed is just Howard. So I was like, God's name's Howard. But it's, it's an off joke, stupid. Forget that I said that. Okay. Can I have my water? I feel all of a sudden parched. <laughs> it means worthy is your name. It's a moment of connection to honor, to praise, to worship God. Not just, you know... It's more than an acknowledgement of his worth even. It's a connecting to the value of his worth for me. Man, I wish I could say that again. It's a connection of, his, of the value of his worth for me. God is worthy whether we believe it or not, whether it means anything to us or not. That's true. But this is not that moment. This is that moment where you say to him, God, I appreciate this about you. I am adoring this about you. It's personal. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. It's a, it's a place of coming into submission to his will. And so instead of just saying it, why don't you rather say, God, I'm sorry for all the times I missed it this week. Thank you for your forgiveness. God, I, I, I was hurt this week. But you know what, God, I, I hold nothing against anybody. I forgive them. I know that you're walking with them. I'm not going to hold resentment against them. I'm not going to be bitter against anybody. Why not just rather use your words to say what that prayer was meant to say to people, right? That's what God desires for us, to come into that intimate address. Two weeks ago, Esther spoke about the need for agreement. And first of all, our prayers, the first key of effective prayer is agreement with God, right? It's agreement with God's word. It's coming into alignment with what his word says. Don't suppose that your prayers will be answered if they're not in alignment with God's words. God doesn't answer prayer merely because we asked. He answered prayer because they are in alignment with his agenda, in alignment with his will, right? Because we're asking on behalf of Jesus. Remember that? Um, Esther spoke about the names of God being so powerful that every meaning of every name of God is not only a declaration of his character, but also of his intent. It's not merely something that he, um, that he reveals about his personhood, but it's also a promise that he gives to you that he will show up like that for you. If it's Jehovah Jireh, God my provider, then he will show up as provider for you. If it's Jehovah Shammah, God the present one, then he will be your ever-present help in time of need. If it's Jehovah Tzitkenu, the Lord my righteousness, if you've doubt 
if you have sin, if you made a mistake, he remains the Lord, your righteousness. He will show up with righteousness for you. He has changed you. He's made you his own. He confirms there's no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. Every name is not just a revelation of his personhood, but it's a promise of his intent towards you. And if you come in agreement with those prayers, think of the the amazing relationship we can have with him. God, I messed up, but thank you that you are my righteousness. You say I can come with boldness into the throne of grace to find help in time of need. How much more time that will bring us into the presence of God with no condemnation, no fear for judgment. How can that transform your relationship with God if you come in agreement with what the Bible says about Him? And then last week we spoke about the need for agreement amongst ourselves. Um. The Bible says where brethren dwell in unity, God commands a blessing. There's a need to be an agreement. In this spiritual house, there's a need to be agreement because God has laid a mission on this house and we need to come together and say, how can we, how can we try and work together to accomplish that mission? That requires missional unity, agreement with how we do things here and getting in on the action and not just being an observer. But there's also the need for us to have relational unity, for us to forgive one another if we've made any mistakes against one another. And God sees that and we gather in His name in unity. There He is present and there He hears our prayers. And so this is, this is where, we, where we left off last um, Last week, and today I want to ask Mr. Mike to come and just share a bit of his, his testimony on how, can we have a mic in the front, of how he has um, just been blessed um, recently in his prayer life. Um, and as he comes up, can we just give him some encouragement? Yeah. Come join me up here, Mr. Mike. Yeah, thank you. It's kind of spooky up here. <laughs> yeah, now you know how I feel. Like, yeah. pray for me while I'm up there. Keep this nice and close to your mouth so that okay. they right. don't have to spike the volume. Uh, I kind of feel like I'm backdooring the message today, but as we, as Gabe was talking, it was the Holy Spirit was just saying so much to me. But JJ specifically asked that I, I mentioned to you what I told him this week, and that was. There has been something that happened to me in my prayer life where I find maybe many of you are like that too. If I, I'm going to hold this for you. You just talk. <laughs> uh, if, if I stop, I've given my body permission to rest and my mind to have its way. Well, something happened this week where I, well, not this week, but at the beginning of the prayer, I read a passage in, a, in uh, Mercies, A New Mercy Every Day. And the yeah. passage said, as you put God in his proper place and you celebrate your place as his child, prayer becomes a tool that God uses to free you from your bondage to you. And his last words were, and this is grace. Hmm. So, we all go to Google, right? (laughs) I flipped Google, I typed in grace, and it just so happened that 
The morning meditation was entitled Grace for Purpose Prayers. And this was a guided meditation that started feeding me scripture. And in it acknowledged the scripture, it read the scripture to me, paused a second, and then read a second one, and a second one, and a third one. And they were all topic, like this particular day was strength. And so the, they all gathered, all of these scriptures gathered to reinforce what God was saying, where my strength was from, mm. and where I needed to turn for that strength. And he repeated that and paused. And then began the prayer like Jay and Esther have been teaching us. Once you have the scripture, once you hold the scripture in your heart, then you give it back to God. Hmm. You pray back to God what, you, what he has told you in his word. And in that, what Gabe said earlier about he can do only what he can do. Hmm. That happened to me at that moment. My mind cleared, and I just began hearing the scripture repeated back to me as I was, I was saying, God, I am just so grateful that you allow me to be part of your world, of your presence, of your glory to this earth and my purpose in it. I did that the first day. Well, the second day, I was really into it then because I had gotten so much from the first. I flipped it. The second one was there. I did the same thing for about a week. And y'all, I felt like I got a blood transfusion. <laughs> Something happened. It's like all this stuff was going out one way. And God's word was just coming in this way. Mm. And throughout the day, when something would pop up, I'd remember the scripture that I had heard that morning. Mm. And it allowed me to stop and say, oh, yes, God, you remind me about that this morning. Thank you for that. It provided a moment in time, a connection again with his word that I had experienced early. And he was telling me, stop. I got this. You just need to align yourself with me and wait. Mm. I'm going to part it. I'm going to make it happen. You just need to trust in me. Mm. So I just wanted to share that with you. The the if you use this one, the name of it is called Grace for purpose prayers. And each day there is a different topic. And, and they are, if you listen to the whole thing, it's about an hour long. But it's broken into segments. So, and it'll get to a point where it prays specifically about the scriptures and then it pauses. So you can stop it and move on about your day. Come back to it if you need to do that. Mm, mm, mm. But um, anyway, that has just encouraged my life. And, and, and just given a new meaning for what prayer is and allowed my mind to focus on something else other than my list of what I wanted God to do. Yeah, come on. Thank yeah. you, Mr. Mike. That's awesome. Come on. Let's give him a hand. I like the part where he says, I felt like I had a blood transfusion because life comes into us when we start praying the scriptures, when we start meditating the scriptures and saying them back to God. 
If you do not experience life and you're not doing what Mr. Mike said, then maybe there's a connection. <laughs> maybe there might be an answer. Maybe might, there might be something that you can start saying, hey, let me start trying to do that. Let me start listening to the Word of God. Let it wash over me. Let it wash over me. Let it wash over me. I also have a testimony about that. Um, how it actually clears your mind and clears your thoughts. And if you fill your subconscious with the truths of God's Word, then that place where you're always hearing the accusations, that place where you're always hearing the condemnation and the doubts and the fears, that place gets filled up with something else. And there is no more place for all that nonsense to bully you. And to make you feel bad. If you have any, 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 any confidence issues or, or, or self-image issues. If you start filling that place in your mind with the truth of God's word. Then it's filled. It's occupied. Red. Doubts. Self-hate. self No entry here. It's busy. Occupied. Being used by another thought. Which is the truth about me. And that's powerful. And that brings transformation to our hearts, to our lives. So thank you, Mr. Mike, for that testimony, and thank you for <laughs> actually trying what we're saying up here. <laughs> so refreshing to hear somebody tell me that they're doing that. I mean, I know you all try to do it, but it's just I, I don't always hear that, you know. So tell me when you're trying something and it works, man. It builds my faith. Honestly, it does. It really does. It really does. I know that y'all are pursuing God, and I know that y'all are really trying everything, and um, uh, our church is, is a doing church, doing the Word of God, not just listening to it. Today, though, I want to talk about um, a concept called praying in the Spirit. Um, I made an announcement on Facebook that I'm going to talk about this, and I'm so excited to just show you guys from the Bible why this is such an important part of our prayer lives. Now, I also understand that I'm in an area where this has not been spoken of much. I'm also fully aware of the fact that many of you come from church environments where the Holy Spirit may be acknowledged, but it's not mentioned much, and definitely not necessarily pursued in equal fashion as a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with God the Father is. Um, but I'm of the opinion, and I think Scripture will prove me right, that the Holy Spirit is as much God and worthy of our praise and our attention. Um, he's the equal third part of the Trinity, and also the one declared by Jesus is to be pursued after he went away. And so I, uh, I really am convicted about the fact that the Holy Spirit is, like Jesus said, our helper today. And that he is made, but was made available to us because Jesus knew when he went away that he needed to provide that guidance and that presence for his church to continue to be able to have personal interaction and intimacy with God the Father through. Jesus revealed the Father perfectly, beautiful, but then Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. Because unless I go, I will not say the Holy Spirit cannot come. But when I go, the Holy Spirit will come. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus go? That means that the Holy Spirit came. 
And the Holy Spirit is now the one that continues to reveal to us and declare unto us the truth about who the Father is, echoing perfectly everything Jesus taught, never in contradiction or doing t- and trying to do anything new, but perfectly revealing and walking with us the will of the Father, the guidance of the Father. And so I believe it is just completely right for us to have awareness of the Holy Spirit, to press into His presence, to try and have personal connection with Him, but always understanding that the Spirit of God, like every part of the Trinity, is submitted to the Word of God. And wherever the Spirit of God is said to do anything that is in contradiction to the Word of God, that is merely man's flesh trying to do something that wasn't biblical. And unfortunately, we have um, become so afraid of the possibility of that happening that we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And now we don't get to access the benefits of living in the presence of the Holy Spirit and accessing the benefits of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So I want to declare to you that every single one of you here, if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, has the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of you. Every single one of you. You don't have to do anything else to get the Holy Spirit to be inside you. He is resident. He is resident. He is indwelling if you are a Christian. That's nothing, no, no doubt about that. We believe that. We also believe that the Holy Spirit came with incredible gifts as is declared by Scripture, but that those are accessed by faith. Those are accessed by pursuit. They don't just automatically happen. You have to press in to gain access to them, to be able to benefit from them. And so is his presence with you? Absolutely. Are you a Christian? Absolutely. Is what I'm talking about a prerequisite for salvation? No. A prerequisite for um, being a member of this church? No. Is it, um, is it prerequisite for you to grow um, you know, to maturity in, Christ, in, in Christianity? Partly, yes. Partly, yes. Because it's something that Jesus commanded us to do. And so as one of the things that Jesus commanded us to do, if we, def- if we refuse to do it, there's going to be a purpose that remains un- unrealized. Uh, Jesus did not for no reason tell us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's just a part of this that you won't be able to access if you do not obey his instruction on that. And so let us talk about that. Let us talk about this concept of praying in the Spirit, that is one of the gifts given by the Holy Spirit. Let's read in Acts 2 before we get too far ahead of ourselves. Verse 1 says the following. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus confirmed actually that this would happen. In Mark 16 verse 17, his closing address to his disciples is rendered in the following fashion. Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils and they will speak with new tongues among other things that he also mentions after that. So what is this thing, this speaking in new or other tongues? What is it? Simply stated, it's one of, the, one of the manifestation gifts that the Holy Spirit gave the church for the church to be built up, for the church to be grown, for the church to be uh, led. 
and um, purified through. The word manifestation simply means to put, um, to display, to make evident. And so these are things that are actually visible to other people as you are operating in it. It is not merely private things, although there is one part of this that we're going to talk about today that is more personal. It does not exactly have to be private per se, but it is always going to be something that is more personal to you and your current experience. Um, and that's the, the praying in tongues as in contrast to the bringing of a message to a congregation of people that is delivered in tongues that we all know from Scripture is required to be interpreted. Otherwise, it carries no benefit for anybody. And we're going to talk about the difference between praying in tongues and the speaking of a message in tongues because it just holds an immense power for us as believers in our private worship and communication with God to not mistake the one for the other and not access the one because we're afraid of, not, you know, of the other. Um, so in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, he speaks about all the different gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. And there are nine gifts that he um, brought the body of Christ so that we can be uplifted by it. It's for the benefit of all. In fact, these gifts enable the body to grow into the health and the full maturity that Jesus uh, has called us into, along with the other gifts that the Father gave and the Son gave. And we can, we can speak through that at another time. <clears throat> but according to the Apostle Paul um, and another apostle called Jude or Thaddeus, um, praying in an unknown tongue is the same as praying in the Spirit. Praying in an unknown tongue is the same as praying in the Spirit. So let's run through the scriptures that, dis that, that explain that. Jude 1 verse 20 says the following, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, pray in, praying in the Holy Spirit, and I'll say a little bit more about the, the one that, that comes after that, keeping yourself in love. Jude declares that as we're praying in the Spirit, we're actually building ourselves up. We're edifying ourselves and building our own faith, right? And here's the interesting thing about, about the, the terminology praying in the Holy Spirit, because Paul speaks about this in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Let's, let's go there right now. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. I want you to see this. It says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Praying in the Holy Spirit is the same as praying in tongues. There are people that make an argument for, for um, the opposite, that it's not the same thing. I think the verses here are very clear, if you understand the context, that it actually does refer to praying in tongues if you're praying in the Holy Spirit because of what verse 15 says. It says, so what am I to do? Here's what I will do, he says, actually. I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. And here's what we got to understand is the reason Paul had to say this was, because um, there was, he, he made an argument, he made a, a, an argument before he gets to these verses that argues for, in the public context, interpretation of a message that's bringing, brought with tongues, right? And so what we have to understand is that he is juxtaposing praying in the mind to praying in the spirit to show the contrast between the two, 
right? And in doing so, he, dis- he shows that praying in the Spirit is not understandable by other people. But praying in the mind is, in fact, understandable. Singing in the Spirit is not understandable to other people, but singing with the mind is understandable. And so clearly he is using these phrases to define and to describe praying in the Spirit as being praying in an unknown tongue versus praying in the mind to be praying in English or Afrikaans or whatever other native tongue that you speak. So when he does that, though, he, dis- he, de- he, de- he declares something about the, the, the origin of speech, right? So in both cases, it is audible speech. How can somebody not understand what you're saying if they didn't hear you at the first place? So praying in the Spirit is hearable, it's audible, right? Praying with the mind is audible. And so he says that there, these two speeches come from a different place in your, in, your, in your existence. He says, when I'm praying in the Spirit, my mind is unfruitful, but my spirit prays. So that literally means that we can produce speech from two different places in our existence. The one is our understanding, our intellect, and the other one is our spirit. Praying in tongues originates out of my spirit, so my mind don't even understand what I'm saying, except what I believe about it according to Scripture, that I'm speaking the mysteries of God, I'm speaking the will of God, I'm praying according to the perfect will of God, but my mind does not understand the exact words that I'm using, hence the need for it to be interpreted if I'm speaking that to people with the intention of prophesying, the intention of bringing a message from God. If I don't interpret or somebody else around me don't interpret, that message that came through a tongue is just, unf- it's, 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 it, doesn't, it, didn't meet the, it didn't hit the mark, right? And the Bible says that once you have released a tongue like that and you realize, wait, there isn't somebody that's interpreting, then it's time for you to reconsider your approach. Don't do that again. You have to be quiet because there isn't somebody that can, that can interpret. But it's interesting how we go, oh, if he prayed in a tongue and there wasn't anybody to interpret, he made a mistake. Well, the Bible actually doesn't say he made a mistake. The Bible just says he need not continue doing that because obviously there's nobody to interpret. No mistake on his part for stepping in faith and bringing and trying to bring that message. It's just now that you understand that there isn't somebody to interpret, now you need to discipline yourself. And now you need to go, okay, I can't do, I can't do that right now. And that requires you to take a step back and go and maybe speak to the leadership and go and say, hey, you know, um, what do you all feel about this? How is this done? Do you understand this? And that'll show you, okay, next time, maybe I need to be aware before I do it whether there is somebody that I am known and understand that does interpret. But let's go back to this part where we're talking about me speaking, not to people, but me speaking to God. Because Paul makes a differentiation between the use of the praying in tongues, that one is actually to address people, the body, for the benefit of the body that needs to be interpreted. But the other one is me addressing God, me praying to God, to build myself up in my faith, to edify myself. 
because that's the part I want to talk about today. I want to, and, 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 and I want to talk about this part because, um, because I believe that it gets obscured often by our fears that something in the service is not going to be done in an orderly fashion. How many of you have heard about that, right? The service has to be done in an orderly fashion. And what I just said now is actually perfectly still in line with what the scripture declares. If somebody brought a tongue and it wasn't interpreted, that doesn't mean that now it was disorderly. If he continues to beat that, you know, dead donkey, are you all said? Flog a dead horse. Do you all beat a dead donkey, right? If he, if he continues to do that or, that, or that person continues to do that, now only are they stepping out of line because now they're not, they're not, they're not um, submitting to the moment of, okay, there's nobody to interpret. I'm not going to continue to do this. But it's still orderly. Um, and we're so quick to fear that moment that it didn't work, <laughs> that, we, that we obscure the benefit of me personally and privately pursuing God and me addressing God through, through praying, through, through a prayer language, a, a supernatural prayer language. And so I want to I wanna unobscure that and just show all the affirmative parts of the verses in the Bible that encourages us to engage this, that encourages us to seek after this and actually eagerly desire this, right? Y'all ready for that? Because there's a beautiful and appropriate use of this that'll build me up in my faith and there is an incredible uplifting personal connection with God that is available through this if we choose to pursue it and if we choose to, by faith, take a hold of it. Because remember I said, it's all there, it's all available, but these things don't come by just you doing nothing. They come with that pursuit, you desiring it, you activating your faith to receive it, right? And I also believe that there's an incredible boldness that it releases in your life to be a witness for Jesus in probably places where it might be very difficult to do that, i.e. not in Christian circles, right? How many of you can do with a little bit more boldness in your faith when you're among non-Christians, I certainly always need more boldness when I'm out there. And, and so I just know that this is a key to our prayer life that will help us to access that. All right, so Paul says the following in 1 Corinthians 14.5, earlier in the chapter, verse 5. Here what he says. He says, now I want you all to speak in tongues. I want you all to speak in in tongues, right? And then he goes on for context to talk about prophecy and why prophecy is probably in a public setting the more appropriate gift to pursue because the natural benefit that it brings to everybody. But we're so quick to go to prophecy that we forget that he just said something really huge. He just said, now I want you all to speak in tongues. How many of you have heard that other verse where, where Paul invites people and saying, follow me as I follow Christ? Have, if you've been following Paul, then, then I want to suggest that this might be the next step for you to follow Paul. is to pursue the gift of speaking in tongues. Because he emphatically declares this that he wants us all to be able to speak in tongues. Why would Paul say that if not 
that it really truly holds value for our Christian walk, truly is obedience to God, would Paul, the apostle, tell us to do anything that is sinful? I mean, if you want to go down that line of thinking, then you're, you know, they, I don't know how much of the Bible that just messes up right there. Fact is, we believe that Paul wrote these words by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Like we say, the Bible is inspired. And so either you're going to have to develop a theology that explains this away, or you're going to have to obey it. <laughs> and that's what many do. They choose to develop a theology that explains this away, rather than want to obey it. I, I mean... I've just come to the conviction that there is no theology that truly explains this away. And that when I was in my early 20s led me to the realization that I, I ain't going to escape this. This is going to be in my Bible for the rest of eternity. So I might soon as, you know, now just get ready and start doing it. Get ready and, you know, learn about it and pursue it and figure it out for myself. Because if I want to be a Jesus follower, then, you know, sure, he might give me a pass now, but like he's going to circle back to it at some point. <laughs> um, but here's the beauty of it. His grace, his grace is so patient with us. Like the first time I experienced baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'll speak about that now. Um, I got so scared of it that I ran away from it for two years and then... I joined a Bible school, and the Bible school eventually got to the module on the Holy Spirit, and I'm like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> I couldn't escape it, right? And so, but there God just helped me, and I surrendered my mind and my intellect and my fears to Him, and He helped me to receive this properly, and since then, never looked back, never looked back. And so I'm hoping today to lay a bit of a foundation just to help understand that this truly is God's desire for us, okay? Um, but like I said, you don't get canceled from membership. You don't get canceled from the kingdom of God if you haven't figured this out yet. But this is definitely a call into greater intimacy and for sure greater experience of His power and His boldness to be a witness for Jesus. So I am... Happy to declare this to you today because, I don't know, we're the kind of church that just loves the whole book and want to make sure that the whole, we, we at least answer and respond to the whole book um, in some kind of way um, that, is, that is affirming what it says. And so, um, the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit that you read in, in 1 Corinthians 12 that he says to some he gave this by the Spirit, by the same Spirit he gave that gift, and then by the same Spirit. It's amazing how it just says that all the, the whole time, the one Spirit, the same Spirit, by that same Spirit. All of these gifts are coming from the Spirit of God. Um, and they are meant and they are given for the benefit of us all. They have the purpose of bringing us to closer to God and to His loving intentions for us. And here's the beauty of that. If that is true for all the gifts, then this gift is the same purpose. It's to bring us closer to God and to bring us more closely in line with His loving intentions for our lives. God loves you, and that's why He gave the church the gift of tongues. So, let's read about 
what the Bible says, the benefits of this gift called the gift of tongues. And in a while, I'm going to talk about how we receive that. Okay, so let's, we'll, we'll go get there. 1 Corinthians 14.4. You can look at it again. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says the following. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So, if I'm in my personal capacity praying, and I pray in tongues, I build up myself in my faith. Now, you might have heard in the, in the, in the aisles, maybe during worship or, or some parts of the service, some people just like in their own person, worshiping God and then starting to pray in, in, in tongues and, and worship in tongues. Why does that not need interpretation? Here's why. Because the audience is not you. The audience is God. That's not a message for you. That is personal edifying prayer toward God. It's directed at God. It's worship towards God. And you don't need to know what is being said because it's not a message for you. But if I were to come up or Gabe after prayer, after worship, and he would start praying in tongues, then that would more likely need an interpretation to be beneficial to, to everybody here, right? Unless he's just connecting with God, which rather that should not be done over the mic, right? Sometimes we make the mistake of doing that, and we need to learn how to do that better. But when you speak over the mic and you're addressing people, that needs interpretation because now it becomes message. Now it becomes everybody's attention is drawn to what is being said, so if they don't interpret, how is that beneficial? And that's the, that's the key for me is the audience. To whom is it addressed? So anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. And we're allowed to do that in the public setting as long as we don't draw attention to ourselves to such degree that now people are stopping to do what they're doing and they're wanting to listen to what you're saying as a message from God. And so there is a fine line there that we need to just be respectful about and honor the person next to me that is maybe not like, you know, hearing what I'm saying, that may be hearing what I'm saying, but, but don't need to be responding to that. Because if somebody in the room were to draw attention to themselves during worship in an unsavory way, we would respond to that by stopping it. Right? We would say, hey, man, this is a little disrespectful to the atmosphere in the room and the people over here. You're actually drawing their attention away from God to you. and we, That's not what this moment is about. This moment is about God and his glory. And so I'm respectfully asking you to whatever you're feeling emotionally you want to express, to do it in such a way that it also still respects the people around you and does not draw their attention away from God. Um, and so the different, there's different contexts in which this can then clearly be differently applied. Because I come from a, a continent where dancing and celebrating is just part of our natural expression. And the problem with that is, is that in a culture where you might look into that and somebody does that, you might judge that and say, hey, that's inappropriate. But you don't understand the cultural setting that that person finds himself in, in which that is completely appropriate. 
And so as we're mixing cultures and as we're mixing ways of thinking, we have to just have humility in our hearts and try and believe the best rather than become judgmental and critical about everybody doing things around us that we might not understand. And so doing, we will cover one another. If that person did make a mistake, my love covers their mistake. But we're all still learning and growing together. And I might be able to have a conversation with them after and say, hey, man, that was really distracting to me. And teach him to be more culturally sensitive to the environment that he finds himself in, right? But what we're doing is making us all grow better together to worship God with a full expression of the life and the love that he has given us, right? So all of those things are still appropriate within the, you know, the, 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 the outliving of this. Nobody has done something so wrong that the whole gift now has to be squashed and said, that's not good. That is actually beautiful because it leads to opportunities for growing and for discipleship and for learning how to love one another better. I would have never known that this is offensive to you if we didn't have this moment that now we can coach one another through it. So mistakes isn't always bad. <laughs> How often don't we tell each other like, hey, that, that, was a, that was a learning moment. Like, you know, lessons learned. We've gained the ability to say that, hey, it's okay for me to make mistakes if I'm in a house where there is fathering, where there is standards, how would you know it was a mistake if there wasn't standards that were communicated? This is deviating from what we're believing. And so, hey, come up to what we're having together as our community standard. But this is a, this is a house where it's okay to make mistakes. Just don't make them four times. Okay? Learn the first time. If you don't learn the first time, then learn the second time. If you don't learn the second time, we're going to help you learn the third time. <laughs> I'm just saying, there is, there is fathering in this house. I'm not the father of this house. Jesus is the father. God is the father of this house. But there is a spirit of fatherhood in this house that will be acted on. Um, and why? To get kids to grow. We're all his kids. We're all meant to grow. Right? So... Next one, Jude 1 verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. What does it say? A couple of things. One, praying in the Spirit helps us to build us up in our faith. Number two, helps us to keep ourselves in the intimate connection, the love of God. Number three, helps us stay faithful to endure to the end until the mercy of God brings salvation to us at the end. How many of you need more faith? How many of you feel like, man, I could do it with more loving relationship with God? How many of you want to be faithful to the end and get that well done, good and faithful servant? This is why God gave us these things, to benefit us. So Paul says the following. He says, in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, jumping to the back again, I thank God I speak with tongues more than all of you. More than all of y'all. <laughs> right? Come on now, give me some acknowledgement for that beautiful Cajun saying. I speak with tongues more than all of y'all. And he thanks God for that. Is that a self-righteous statement? 
No, that's him saying that this gift benefits me. This gift helps me. Remember, Paul were stoned to death half. Some say he did die and he was resurrected. Some say he was half dead and just recovered by the strength of the Holy Spirit. Regardless, he got stoned. Not the style, like, you know, the real rock against the head style stoned. He got stoned, y'all, and he had to recover up from that and have the, and listen to this. Here's, here's the point I'm making. Have the same boldness and guts to go back to those same people and tell them the same message again. That's not just something that comes because Paul was like, you know, macho. That required a surrender. That required a deep abandonment of his own personal safety for the sake of the glory of God. That's, that's, that's all that can be. And so it's so important that we see the context of Paul, why he says these things, because he urges us to, you know, to seek after this for ourselves as well. So how can we receive this gift today? In Acts 1 verse 5, Jesus says the following. He says, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And in Acts 1 verse 8, he says that, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus declared to his disciples what John the Baptist explained when he said, he will baptize, the one that comes after me will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. People cannot baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we have to come and ask Jesus to baptize us with His Spirit. It's not something that He forces on us. It's something that we come by faith to, to a point where we desire it. And only when you desire it and your motive is to walk in love. Because Paul mentions two things in, in 1 Corinthians 14.1. He says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So just on that point, ask yourself, have you desired any spiritual gifts? Have you desired the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And Paul is encouraging you to desire those gifts, right? So either Paul is encouraging you to sin, or Paul is in fact declaring to you the will of God for your walk with him. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Two things, love must be our motive. Love must be our motive. The preceding chapter is 13, it's the love chapter. It lays the foundation of the heart and the attitude with which we desire to use the spiritual gifts. I can see that some have used these gifts not from love, from drawing attention to themselves, from trying to elevate themselves or show themselves as more mature or even some, you know, trying to validate their doctrines because they believe in this thing. I can see that has happened. But let us not reject the truth because some have misused it. Let us drill even deeper into this well and ask what is true, what is truly true. And let us ask God to bring to us this empowerment that will enable us to love people above our normal ability, above our natural strength. And then the second thing is that desire fuels the faith that is needed to, to, to access this. If you don't desire this, 
truly want this, it's okay. But it, it, you, can, you will just not be able to access this yet. And it requires you to maybe go and seek after it and ask God to show you more about this, to come to that point of like, man, I really want this for myself. I really want to be able to have this for my walk with God and for to empower me with the necessary ability to love other people well. If you're at that place, then you're ready to start accessing what is already inside of you because the Holy Spirit already resides with you. But it requires a response, a step out in faith to say, I want this and I'm here to receive it. So what's the most common way of receiving it? In Acts 19, you can go read from verse 1 to verse 5. But people didn't even know yet about the Holy Spirit. And Paul asked them, what were you baptized in? And they said, the baptism of John. And Paul explained to them about Jesus. And he explained to them about the Holy Spirit. And then he baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus, which is the baptism for repentance, for becoming a Christian. And then Paul laid hands on them. And the Holy Spirit came on them. And the Bible says they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I know for a fact that we will not be able to do this ministry if it wasn't for this gift. Some of you all have asked me before, like, how do you, how do you all manage to do all that you do? And, you know, with, and then have your own family and have all that, all that. Honestly, honestly, it's not from organizational management. It's not from... Um, you know, just superhuman, well, superhuman. It's, it, it's just not from flesh. It's not from us. It's, if we didn't have this gift to tap into, to refresh our souls, to help us recover from hurts and disappointments, to build our faith when we go out of a Sunday and thinking, man, I said something that nobody's going to ever come back to this church. Monday mornings are the worst, y'all. I sit and I think of all the things I said at Sunday, and I go to myself, oh. I know they're going to take, they're going to be offended by that. I just know it. They're going to take that and they're never going to come back. And those thoughts come into my mind. And the only way I get through that is by just, I start praying in tongues and I start declaring the promises of God over us. I start declaring, I start, when I, I think of individuals, I start praying over y'all. I said, Lord, thank you for that person. Thank you for their faith. Thank you for their life. Thank you, God, that you show them your truth. I, that's, and then pray in tongues. If I don't know what to pray, I just pray in tongues until I gain breakthrough. This gift has been life to my, my family and I. My daughter, I prayed for my daughter to be filled with the Holy Spirit and start speaking in tongues when she was four years old. My other daughters, a um, little later, they started getting it. Um, we're, our whole family has just aligned ourselves and surrendered ourselves to this provision that God has made available to us. It's one of the biggest things that sustains us and that enables us to walk in God's calling. And we would not dare to do ministry without it. I think it's just irresponsible. You're going to die. Ministry is hard. It's like it's, it takes a lot out of you. Um, and either you're going to tone it down to something that's manageable in your human strength or you're just going to burn out um, and, and not be left over for, for a lot of years that you could have stayed. Um, and so that's what I'm trusting God for all of us. It's for us to, to, at the very least, 
go and say, God, I don't disagree with this anymore. Help me to come to that place of, of desire for it. Let's stand to our feet today as I pray us out. I'm sorry I went over. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we love you. and We thank you for your spirit. We thank you also for your grace and your patience in journeying with us. God, I pray for every individual here that they might be interested in your Holy Spirit more than what they were when they left, when they came. Father, that they might make it their personal pursuit to verify for themselves the Scriptures and go and find their own conviction about this and pursue you for that which they know you have made provision for. Father, I pray that today as we leave, that we will know we're going out into this world that you have called on us to love, that you've called on us to reach, and that, um, Holy Spirit, that you, will, that you will fill us and empower us to go and be real loving, effective witnesses for your name and that we might represent your character in everything that we're attempting to do. In the name of Jesus, I pray.